Odyssey celebrates the class of 2024. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Welcome to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personality shaping the stories. Special Edition is a production of Intercom Communications. Thanks for joining us on Special Edition. Today, we're going to talk about heartburn, perfect for the holidays. Susan Wynn is a clinical pharmacist and associate professor of pharmacy practice at Roseman University of Health Sciences College of Pharmacy, and she'll be giving us some good tips on how to avoid it. We'll also be meeting Diane Randall. She's the General Secretary of the Friends Committee on Legislation. She's going to be telling us how that organization is working with Congress on national and global topics. We'll also be starting out with Pennsylvania State Police Communications Officer with Troop N. Hazelton, Trooper Anthony Petrosky. He has some good tips on how to stay safe this holiday season. First on Special Edition today, very pleased to introduce you to Jessica Kalinowski. She is the Community Relations Coordinator for PennDOT District 4. Yes, we had some snow that many of us didn't expect earlier this week. And it just so happened Jessica and I were discussing safe winter driving at the very time that it was all happening. So I'm going to share our conversation with her so that the next time it snows, we'll all be prepared. How did Jessica make her way to PennDOT District 4? I saw a job posting last March and I applied for the position. It did take a while because there was a hiring freeze and because of COVID, everything, you know, slowed everything down. But um, they offered me the position in September and I took it. Best move I ever made. Is it a little different from where you came from? I mean, uh, you know, you're you're twenty four seven now. Wow, that's three sixty five, isn't it? Yeah, it was. It's a different career move, but I did do all of the public relations and community relations for the position I was in before. So, you know, I'm, I'm still within my the parameters of my role. And at my last position, I was 24-7. We would have, you know, fire uh, drills, fire alarms going off, leaking pipes, you know, tenant complaints and um, calls that would come in. And those calls would come in sometimes at 2 a.m. So this is not new to me. I'm used to being 24-7. Well, it sounds like you're qualified for all of those <laughs> all of those things, especially when things happen overnight. And you're, I don't know whether you've uh, started at a good time or a bad time, because at least you may end up being busy because we have had snow in our forecast. And that means that you folks at Pendosh, really have to catch up on your sleep because things can happen anytime. So from your first perspective, what should people remember when they're thinking about starting to drive in the snow? Well, first off, we advise motorists if they don't need to go out, don't. But if you do need to go out, you should make sure that you have supplies in your car in case your car becomes disabled for any reason. This includes a full tank of gas, your medications, charger, shovel some rock salt, jumper cables. And again, one of the most important things to do is to be prepared. So check out 511pa.com and make sure to leave yourself enough time to get to your destination before heading out. And this goes without saying, make sure you wear your seatbelt. 
I'm glad you mentioned 511PA.com because that is, it's not new, but sometimes these things are new to some people because they're not used to having an app available. Now, that app is pretty good because it contains all kinds of different things. For someone who hasn't seen 511PA.com, tell us a little bit about that. It's a great resource, 511PA.com has actually videos of the roadways. So before you're heading out, you can actually see how the roadways look and if they if they look safe or not. If, if they're covered in snow, it, it might change your mind about going out. Along those same lines, again, a lot of people are also concerned about snow plows because when you're in a snowstorm, you're waiting for the plow to come by. And I believe that that's also something else that someone can see there. Absolutely. You can see where we are at all times. And and speaking about plow trucks, we advise motorists to steer clear of the plow trucks, not to pass them while they're on the roadways. They're out there. They're working really hard to make sure that all motorists are safe. And, you know, we appreciate when people give us a space to be able to do our job. Uh, Plow drivers always amaze me again because they're... They're there 24-7 and they have to watch where they're going and there are so many things. So I'm sure people keeping out of the way is is much appreciated. And when we talk about plowing, one of the things that we always hear a lot about is, I just got my driveway cleared and they came along and <laughs> they pushed all the snow in. So what can we do to stop that, Jessica? So the best thing to do when you're clearing your driveway is that you should move the snow to the downside. So if the plow is coming down your street, basically it's usually the right side of it. So go ahead and move your snow down to the right-hand side or the downside, whichever way the plow is going to be coming, because that will eliminate a buildup in your driveway. See, now I've, I've heard that and I've actually used that and it works. That's that's a very handy tip to have if you don't think about it. And while we're talking about the um, the app PA five one one, one of the things that a lot of people and you mentioned the fact that you can go on and actually look at the cameras. Now, many of us have never seen inside the PennDOT Command Center in Dunmore. Could you give us a little bit of an overview of what exactly you're seeing when you have to be there during these snowstorms and have to make changes and you alert us so that we can let the public know exactly what's going on and where the problems are? What does it look like? Well, the command center has a lot of computer screens there, and what they are is our eyes and ears on the storm. They're keeping track of what the roadways look like. They're reporting to central office in Harrisburg. And also we have our counties that report back to us also any incidents or road closings or recommendations for the roads. So, for example, if we need to close the road to, you know, tractor trailer drivers or, or, or shut that down, they are the ones to go ahead and notify Harrisburg of what we need to do based on the conditions. They're the eyes and ears for reporting conditions. So you're in touch with everybody there. Absolutely. What about local municipalities? Because again, PennDOT is not responsible for every road. It may seem like that, but they're not because again, there are cities and other municipalities. So what happens between PennDOT and municipalities when it comes down to these snowstorms? So PennDOT mainly plows about 2,100 miles of roadways in District 4. Uh, We also have municipal agreements where the municipalities 
will plow approximately 200 miles of state roadways within their town on our behalf. This allows for the main roads to be cleared at all times and it allows for us to be able to focus on the interstates and highways and all of those kinds of roads. When people also are thinking about the snow plows coming out this winter, a lot of times people will see snow plows before a snowstorm even arrives. They might be on the side of the road. Is there a reason for that? Yes, absolutely. It's, it's all about preparedness. Or we could be pre-treating the road. When, it, when a snow event begins as snow, we will pre-treat the roads with the salt brine in order to create a bond between the pavement and the snow or the ice. So, you know, it's all about preparedness and making sure that the motorists are all safe out there. You know, you mentioned one of the other things about being safe, and that's being prepared in your own vehicle. And um, you were mentioning some of the different things that people can have with them. You mentioned medications. That's uh, very interesting because a lot of times that's something I would not think about. Why would they be so important? It actually happened to me in 2018, I believe, during the blizzard. We were on our way to Newark to go away, and we got stuck on 380 for seven hours in the middle of a blizzard. And um, if you needed medication for any reason, especially when it's a life-saving kind of medication, you need to make sure that you're prepared. There you go. See, and that was before you were working for PennDOT, Jessica. Right. So that will never happen to you again. <laughs> Absolutely not. Full tank of gas also. You don't want to be without that. <laughs> Absolutely. And you mentioned the fact that you were going out of town. You're a mom. And mm-hmm. you were telling me before that you have some brand new drivers in your home. So what do you tell new drivers who are just, and it doesn't mean that they're 16, 17, 18. There are a lot of people who are older than that who are maybe driving for the first time. What are some of the things that you would tell them that they might need to know, especially when they hear snow in the forecast? Absolutely. If you're Even if you're just going to work, you want to make sure that you have that full tank of gas. You want to make sure to check your tires and make sure that there's a good tread on there. Maybe a blanket, phone charger, making sure that you have a phone charger. Again, the medication. You want to make sure that you're you're prepared. A shovel and maybe a little can of serve rock salt just in case you get stuck and then you'll be able to get yourself out. And as far as driving is concerned, again, it's the difference between the, hopefully, the the road that is dry as opposed to the road where there is going to be snow. So what are some tips that you would tell people besides my favorite, slow down? Absolutely slow down. Make sure that you leave yourself enough time to get to your destination just in case you have an event occur on the way. Overall, just be prepared. Make sure that make sure that you're ready and keep keep a good safe distance between yourself and another car. About six lanes is probably a good a good rule of thumb. Okay, that's and that's something that maybe the beginning drivers or the unexperienced snow drivers might not even think about because it takes long to stop, and that includes for things like tractor trailers. Absolutely, absolutely. And another thing, don't take the back roads. Take the main roads, even though it might take you a little bit longer, take the main roads that are probably already plowed and uh, salted so that you you know you have a better chance of getting there safely. And that's a that's very important. Jessica, before I wear you out for the rest of your for the rest of the day, <laughs> is there anything that maybe we haven't touched on that you would like to make sure that the uh, listeners know about? Uh, I think the most important is to leave yourself enough time to get where you're going. Keep a good distance between your car and other cars. 
take your time and absolutely check out 511pa.com before you head out so that you know what you're getting yourself into. Well, welcome aboard. Thank you so much, Paula. Jessica Kalinowski, Community Relations Coordinator for PennDOT District 4, getting us ready for winter driving. And I'm sure that we will be hearing a lot more from Jessica throughout the upcoming winter season. Now, speaking of safety... Pennsylvania State Police Trooper Anthony Petrosky is with Troop in Hazleton. He is the communications officer there. And Trooper Petrosky has some good safety tips. Well, I think he'll tell us about some driving safety tips as well. But he also has some other safety tips, especially he's going to start off by talking about shopping. Trooper Petrosky, let's get started. Hopefully, we're all going to have a holiday season of some way, shape, or form. But a lot of people, and they're even saying that there's going to be very busy shopping in the brick-and-mortar stores. Now, a lot of people are out of practice because they haven't been doing that for a long time. So when right. it when it comes to that kind of shopping and, uh, you know, again, a lot of people aren't thinking about that because they haven't been out because of the pandemic. So what are some of the common sense things that you would say to someone who's going to be doing their holiday shopping? Right. And this is a great topic to talk about because, number one, regardless of how much you do online shopping, people are going to go to stores. It's going to happen. Um, it's just, we're going to be wearing our masks this year and that's okay. Right. We need to, we need to still have our holidays. So some, some tips. Number one, if you buy items, do not leave them out open in your vehicle. Don't leave them on the back seat. Don't leave them in the cargo area, put them in the trunk or cover them up. Unfortunately, there are people out there that will go to parking lots and check cars to see if the doors are unlocked. And if they're unlocked, they'll take whatever they can. Cell phone chargers, change, um, items that you just purchased for holidays. They will take them. So always keep those items out of view and always lock your car. That's very important. It's something that people overlook all the time. We have to get in the habit of always locking our vehicle when we're going in stores. And even when it's parked out night, um, you know, overnight, we have to make sure we lock our car. Another thing I think of is... Ladies with your purses, we have to be aware of them because we've had many incidents in the area where purses were taken from shopping carts. A lot of women like to put them on that little top shelf on the uh, shopping cart. And, you know, you're shopping, you're looking at things, you might be reaching over for something, and your purse could get taken. And we know there's lots of valuables in a purse. So we have to be aware of that. Now, when you're in the parking lot, don't leave your purse on the shopping cart while you're loading your items in your vehicle. We have had many incidents where that's happened and people have taken the purses straight from the shopping cart. So be aware of that. Now, I'll pick on the guys also because <laughs> guys who have the wallets in their back pocket, right? right? When you're in a busy store, guys, we keep lots in our wallets, our credit cards, our driver's license. Sometimes guys keep their social security cards in their wallet. Don't have them in your back pocket. It does happen and it is easy to take a wallet from somebody's back pocket. Keep it in the front pocket, keep it in the a pocket on your coat, something like that, but don't leave it out there where somebody could take it. These are our valuables, and we have to be aware of, of their locations at all times. Let me throw a new one at you. Yes. Uh, I, again, haven't been shopping much, but when I did, I needed a pair of shoes. And okay. guys and gals both leave their things and then go and try on shoes and walk away. Ah, There's a new one for you. Yeah, we, 
can't leave your stuff there. No, I, I, I was, I was, I was very surprised. The woman tried on a pair of shoes, let put her purse down and walked over and walked. And I'm thinking, wow, she must trust me. <laughs> well, and they must be really nice shoes because they're very excited and they forget all their stuff. Exactly. And you know, that, that could happen. And, and you know what a big thing is too, is, you know, people are using their phones all the time. You're taking pictures of things. You're talking to people while you're shopping. You might even be doing online shopping in the store and scanning it with your phone. And a lot of times what I see is people are setting their phones down oh, on the yeah. show um, at a grocery store. They'll set it down to pick something up and somebody could easily walk right by and take that. And these cell phones are not cheap and they have lots of sensitive material and data on you in these phones. So, you know, be aware of your cell phones. Also, they're, they're a lot of money and that's your lifeline. Um, so always have that, you know, close to you and know where it is and just don't set it down in the store. And I know this might be a little bit out of your realm, but I don't think so, because I think, you know, everything. So this, well, this, I, I wish that was right. Oh, I, I think it's true. So <laughs> let's talk a little bit about online shopping and safety okay. during online shopping, because again, so many people, there's, there's so many scams out there. What can people look right. for? Well, you know, only buy from trusted sources, right? So, you know, if you, you, you see an item that you like and if you go on social media, um, you know, you'll get these ads pop up and based off of your recent searches on your phone of things you might like. And that's how they develop these ads for you. Um, you know, if you click on it and you think, wow, this is a great, this is a great item. I would love this. And you click on the website and the website doesn't look right or you get those red flags from your, um, you know, from your virus protection saying that there are flaws with a certificate on this website. Do not purchase from them. Unfortunately, it's very easy to make a website and scam people out and get credit card information or ask for um, gift cards. You know, anytime somebody asks you to pay them in a gift card, it's a scam because gift cards are not traceable and that's an easy way to scam people. So only buy from trusted websites, trusted stores, um, I do recommend using PayPal. It's a secure way to pay. You set up a PayPal account. Um, they have a lot of good protection. And if you are scammed, they are really good with helping out victims. So definitely use a PayPal account. And, you know, one thing that I do recommend, this is something I do personally. When I buy online, I have a separate credit card that I only use for online purchase. Mm -hmm. It actually doesn't even go in my wallet with me. It stays at my house. And anytime I do online purchases, I only use that one credit card. This way, if something did happen, I know it was that one credit card and I could easily cancel it. I don't keep a ton of money in it. So it's just a, a little recommendation out there for people. And don't use a debit card. Don't use the debit card. Do not. <laughs> Don't right. give people access to your money. Yes, all, all of all of those things. Because just like when you're standing in the store and you have an open wallet, it's the right. same thing. If you're online, it's just that you have an open credit card, almost. Absolutely. Let's move on to something else. Then let's talk about home safety around the holidays. Yes, let's do it. So let's start out here, and I'm not trying to insult anybody's intelligence, but people live on social media now. People post everything they do, right? Do not post that you are away for the holiday. You are just letting people know that you are not home and that they could possibly burglarize your home. Okay, It's not a good idea to let everybody know that your home is unoccupied at the current time. With that being said, it's always good to have lights on in your house. And there are things now where you can turn lights on from your smartphone. You don't even have to be in the same 
the same area code to turn a light on in your house. So you could use these technology features if you're not home, if you're going to be out all day, if you're gone for a couple of days. This way, when it gets dark and it gets dark early now, you could turn a light on because a lot of people are deterred from light. And that could be lights on the interior of the house. It can also be motion lights, which I do recommend. This way, if somebody walks up to your home, a motion light comes on, it tends to deter criminals. It really does because they're being seen now. So, you know, those are two good recommendations. Um, also, you know, like I said before about shopping in stores, don't leave valuables in your vehicles and always have your vehicles locked, even at your house. If you have to park in your driveway, I understand you might live in a safe neighborhood, but you want to know what? Lock it just to be on the safe side. You know, I've also heard about people who um, do get gifts and then they'll put the packaging out at the curb to be taken away in the next day or day to day or two's garbage. But is that also something that kind of can serve as a beacon, if you will? Oh, look what just came into that house. I mean, is that even possible? You know, it can, you can't rule it out. So, you know, my recommendation is, you know, if you get that brand new 82 inch flat screen TV, the new top of the line one, break the box up. Um, you know, turn it inside out. So all you see is cardboard. If you have it on the side of the road for garbage pickup and, you know, any boxes, break them up so people can't see them. Um, Put your garbage in garbage bags. Don't just have stuff laying out to broadcast to people your brand new presence. Um, it can happen. You you can't rule it out. Um, you you know, better safe than sorry. The same thing goes with pictures on social media. And I know we all like to go on and, oh, look what I got and look at this. But uh, again, you know, uh, it just seems to me like that might be another, uh-oh, look who's got something new. Yeah, it can be. And it's unfortunate that we even have to talk about this. But, you know, criminals are using social media to their advantage. They really are. They're scamming people. They could look and see who's home, who's not. So we have to be safe. And you know what? Always think twice. And if you're ever hesitant to post something on social media, don't do it. Uh, what about being on the roads around the holidays? We we hear a lot of tips about those. Well, not everybody has the holidays off. And you know what? If there's ever a chance of more people being on the road around the holidays, that means that there's going to be more troopers on the road. And the reason for that is we want to make sure the road is safe for people to travel. on. So the, the laws in the Commonwealth will be heavily enforced throughout holiday travel. We want to make sure everybody's safe, slow down, wear your seatbelt. And here's the biggest thing nowadays, put the phone down. Distracted driving is the biggest problem we see on the roads now. People are texting, they're reading text, they're writing text, they're even posting on social media while driving. Put the phone down, eyes on the road. If you really have to answer that text message, pull over answer it, and then get back on the road safe. And what about work zones? Now we're hearing that there are more accidents happening in work zones. How could that be? I think it relies on people having their eyes on the road. And a work zone is a very sensitive subject because you have people literally working on the road. So, you know, have respect for those people and know that they have families and they're out there doing a job that is dangerous and they're trying to provide for their families. So let's make sure we keep them safe. Follow the rules slow down to the speed limit that's posted in the beginning of the the work zone. They do have vehicles now in the work zone that will um, monitor speed. It's not state police, but there are work zone speed management vehicles out there and they will send you a ticket in the mail. So, you know, it's just more of a reason not to speed in those. And, you know, we're enforcing the laws out there also in work zone. 
We want to make sure people are safe, the workers and people driving through. Slow down, take your time, move over when you have to. Um, speaking of move over, let's talk about the steer clear law. Everybody knows the steer clear law, right? You had right. to move over when you see a first responder. That was just recently changed from steer clear to the move over law. And I think that's a great title because it's very simple. It breaks it down very easy for you. Move over. You see a, a, a first responder out there, a police vehicle, an ambulance, a fire truck, and they're out on the side of the road, slow down, move over, get into an adjacent lane if you can. If you can't, slow down and move over within your lane. Well, when we're talking about, again, the the whole aspect of traveling and move over, what are we going to do about those people who constantly ride in the passing lane, Trooper Petrosky? Well, everybody needs to know in Pennsylvania, the left lane is for passing. It is not for steady traffic flow. You use the left lane to pass. Once you overtake a vehicle and it is safe to merge into the travel lane, the right lane, you move back into that right lane. We like to keep the left lane open for vehicles to pass and for emergency vehicles like police, fire, EMS that need to get somewhere quickly. Well, I don't know how we're ever going to stop that. I've witnessed almost a few more than one or two accidents that could have happened because, again, you have traffic that's going in the right-hand lane and they want to go, but the person in the left-hand lane is just kind of, well, we're out for a Sunday drive, but it just happens to be Monday morning rush hour. Yeah, and you know what? And that's why we're out there on the roads. Any violations we see, we want to make a traffic stop to make sure that these roads are safe. So we want everybody to abide by the laws within the Commonwealth, and this way they could get where they're going safely. Now, do you have any other tips that uh, maybe you have neglected to uh, bring up or that I forgot to ask you about today? No, I think we cover them a lot. I want everybody to be safe this holiday season. I want everybody to have a great and healthy holiday season. And remember, put the phone down, wear your seatbelt, and get where you're going safely. Always a pleasure to catch up with Trooper Anthony Petrosky, communications officer with Troop in Hazelton. And while we're on the subject of holidays and being safe, sometimes we have to take responsibility for ourselves in more ways than one. Getting that heartburn from the holidays. We can avoid it, and we have someone coming up next who's going to tell us how on Special Edition. Welcome back to Special Edition. We've been talking about keeping safe this holiday season with PennDOT and the Pennsylvania State Police. Now we're going to take a trip to the pharmacy. Susan Wynn is a clinical pharmacist and associate professor of pharmacy practice at Roseman University of Health Sciences College of Pharmacy. With the holidays quickly approaching, that means get-togethers and, of course, food and maybe even some alcohol. All of those can do strange things to your system. And Susan is here to tell us what we can do in order to avoid heartburn and it's not all about giving up everything that we really want to have heartburn i know it well oh my not good and now the holidays are coming up what do we do you're not alone more than one in four adults experience heartburn symptoms at least once a week and this year as we're celebrating holidays um, it looks a little bit different maybe smaller celebrations but we know that the role that food plays as part of those festivities is going to remain unchanged. And during this time, we overindulge in the traditional holiday foods. 
the secret family recipes and sweets, often combined with alcohol, which can be a recipe for heartburn. Yeah, let's start right off with that, because that seems to be what does it for a lot of people when they mix in the alcohol, and especially um, around holiday time when maybe you're off the next day so you don't have to go to bed so early. What about having things, whether it's alcohol or whether it's food, into the late evening hours right before you go to sleep? Sure, so having um, alcohol and then different types of foods, so sometimes people have symptoms when they have spicy foods or acidic foods or really rich foods. And everyone's a little bit different. So it's important to know what your food triggers are. And then after having those meals and those beverages, maybe laying down to watch a holiday movie or going to bed without um, time between the meals and alcohol, that can definitely aggravate your symptoms. And when we talk about symptoms, what are some symptoms? Because it seems like heartburn, indigestion, they all kind of sound the same, but are they really? Sure. So heartburn, also known as acid reflux, is that really uncomfortable or painful burning feeling in your chest or throat that typically starts after a meal and can last for a few minutes or even up to many hours. And some patients will also have that hot, sour, acidic, fluid feeling in the back of their throat maybe even a cough that lasts for a while or sore throat or their voice sounds more hoarse. So those are common symptoms of heartburn. And when something like that happens, um, should you be concerned right away? Because again, it's sounding an awful lot like heartburn is having symptoms of other things, maybe even a heart attack. Sure. It's really important to make that distinction. If this symptom is due to heartburn and more related to the meals and beverages that you're consuming, or is it something more serious? Because oftentimes, heart issues can feel like heartburn, so it's important to seek that medical care that's urgent when you have chest discomfort that you suspect to be heart-related. So oftentimes, if it's heart-related, you are going to experience chest pain, shortness of breath, maybe pain in your arm, neck, or jaw. So if you're seeing a combination of those things, it's definitely important to seek urgent medical care. Now, for those that have those heartburn symptoms, like you mentioned, you definitely want to treat them right away. Um, and definitely using over-the-counter medications can be an appropriate option. And that the choice of medication that you pick um, really depends upon the frequency of the heartburn that you do have. So with so many medications over-the-counter that are out there, how do you know which way to even turn? Sure. So I think that anytime you have a question about medications and you want more information, definitely talking to your pharmacist, but I can go over some of the common over-the-counter medications that we recommend. So one of the medications that we recommend for more of an occasional heartburn would be an antacid like Tums or Rolaids or H2 blockers, also known as Tepsid or Famotidine. For those that have that frequent heartburn, meaning that they have symptoms two or more times per week, we definitely recommend over-the-counter proton pump inhibitors. The names of those medications, brand names are um, Prevacid 24-hour, Nexium 24-hour, but they're also known by their store generic names as Omeprazole or Pantoprazole. It's a lot in the mouthful, so making sure you ask your pharmacist if you have additional questions on what options to pick for you. And sometimes before, they were only available by getting them for a prescription through your doctor. So those that uh, you mentioned that used to be prescription, are they something that would be a last resort? And so the medications um, so the medications you're referring to are the over-the-counter proton pump inhibitors initially started as prescription medications, but realizing that the FDA, realizing that they are safe and effective, 
also decided to put them over the counter. But what's the distinction I do want to make is that if you do take them for over the counter, they're only to be taken once daily and for no more than 14 days. So if you do have an indication where your doctor has diagnosed you with a more serious um, gastrointestinal issue where you would need a prescription proton pump inhibitor, they are the same medication active ingredient. It's just that if you get a prescription, typically you're going to take a higher dose than what's available over the counter, as well as the duration of time that you take it will be longer than what's available over the counter. And a lot of times people might not even go to the doctor. They may just go to the pharmacy. Sometimes they may not even go up and talk to their pharmacist. Are there drugs that you may already be taking for other ailments that would not be good to take with certain over-the-counter heartburn symptom drugs? Sure. So when it comes to medications like antacids, those can bind to a lot of medications. If you're taking for example, some antibiotics or taking medications that affect your thyroid, like levothyroxine, or if you're taking those over-the-counter proton pump inhibitors, if you're taking a medication that thins your blood, specifically known as Plavix or Clopidogrel, those can lead to drug-drug interaction. So I think anytime you start a new medication, it doesn't hurt to go talk to your pharmacist, making sure everything is um, okay to take with your existing medications help avoid any kind of side effects that might might occur. I'm trying to ask you all these ways around it, Susan, but I'm just not (laughs) going to ever get there. So what is probably the best way to prevent heartburn like that over the holidays? I know what you're going to (laughs) say. So I know we have to be realistic. It's easy to say avoid these foods, right? But that's not realistic. We all and we all, all overindulge in the holidays with our friends and family. So I think it's more important that whenever there is an option, of, of a sweet table, for example, picking one of those options, having maybe a half piece or a smaller portion, seeing how you react to that. And then if you want that additional portion, going back a couple hours later. So it's really about ma- managing your portions as well as kind of spreading out those types of foods that can trigger your heartburn symptoms. And then even so, even if you want to take a walk with your family member, Um, catch up with them, go outside, get some exercise. That's also going to help reduce your symptoms. All right. Anything else that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Sure. So if you you want more information about treatments for heartburn symptoms, visit the digestive health section of knowyourotcs.org. This site serves as an over-the-counter information resource to help you understand how to use, store, and dispose of your medication safely. Thanks again to Susan Wynn, clinical pharmacist and associate professor of pharmacy practice at Roseman University of Health Sciences College of Pharmacy for joining us today on Special Edition with some good heartburn avoidance tips, especially that one about eating late at night gets me every time. And just to reiterate one of the points that Susan mentioned, if you are having heartburn symptoms and they are changing, maybe lasting longer or becoming more severe than they had in the past, you may want to get in touch with your doctor or even get to the local emergency department because it could be something more serious. Looking ahead toward 2021, a new year and maybe more peace on our planet. Diane Randall is going to talk about how her organization is working with Congress on national and global topics that will hopefully bring more peace to all of us. Don't go away. Special edition continues. 
Next on Special Edition, we're going to meet Diane Randall. She's the General Secretary of the Friends Committee on National Legislation, and she's going to tell us how her organization is working with Congress on national and global topics that affect us all, including peace. Let's begin by having you explain that committee and what it does. Sure. The Friends Committee on National Legislation is a nonprofit organization, and we are an advocacy organization that has been around for 77 years, and we've advocated and consistently and continue to do so for a more peaceful and just world. We also focus on a more sustainable world, working on climate change. So we we lobby Congress, we have lobbyists, but we also work with grassroots advocates across the country who join us uh, in uh, civic participation to talk to their members of Congress. Well, you've been around, not you personally, but the organization (laughs) has been around for a very long time. I'm sure that there must be some views, especially recently with everything that's happening. What, What exactly is the Friends Committee saying about everything that's been happening with Congress? Well, we work pretty closely on a a range of issues, and I'll I'll pick a couple to focus on uh, this morning. One is, um, obviously, like everyone, we are completely focused on the pandemic and what Congress can do to provide economic support for households in need and for local communities uh, that are really suffering under the burden of this pandemic. Um, so while we we are particularly focused on this COVID relief package that we hope will still pass before December 18th when Congress adjourns, earlier this year, Congress responded in a bipartisan basis and passed a massive uh, package called the CARES Act. That legislation was the legislation that provided extended unemployment support and some direct payments as well as the payment protection program. We believe that another relief package is absolutely essential to address hunger, to prevent uh, extend a moratorium on evictions so we don't create more homelessness, um, as well as to provide relief to municipalities um, and to states, along with extending the unemployment benefits. Now, it has other aspects in the package that's being debated, um, and it is literally being debated now, or not on the floor, but in behind closed doors. So we have asked people to contact their members of Congress to push, give a final push for this legislation this year. One of the, uh, you mentioned the CARES program um, in Luzerne County, uh, it was just announced that uh, the county was able to benefit from the CARES program. So that's a very that, good yeah. thing for our area. It is a good thing. And and in fact, this legislation that's, that's currently being debated, one of the hot points is, will local governments get a level of assistance that they desperately need uh, because they, you know, local citizens are paying for the work of, of government to, to address the pandemic there locally. And so that that's an important component, we believe, as well as, as I said, you know, the legislation that can alleviate um, hunger. I mean, we, we're seeing images of people standing in food lines all across the country. And 
um, that's, uh, it, it just shouldn't be that way for, for this country. And so uh, we're hopeful that that legislation will pass yet this year. Um, and, you know, we've, we're, we're paying attention, of course, to the, the question about health disparities that we're seeing right now is, is going to be long debated in this country. It's, it's clearly uh, an urgent situation. Um, but in terms of legislation, I think we'll begin to see more efforts to try to address the kinds of health disparities we've seen. Um, as a result of the pandemic. I was going to say a, a lot of those are now coming to light because of the pandemic and, of course, the health care and food being two major points. The other point that you mentioned was the environment and as far as global warming is concerned. Can you talk about mm. your effort mm. there as well? Yes, I will. Um, you know, I think one of the the issues that this pandemic has raised is the the global nature of it. And we do focus clearly on what's happening in our local communities and in this country, but it is affecting, it, it is a global uh, pandemic. And at, just as the issue of global warming is a global crisis. And so the need to, for this Congress to act, to try to um, reduce the output of carbon in our environment is absolutely essential. And the Friends Committee for a long time has worked uh, on a bipartisan basis to move us toward um, what would be the possibility to put a price on carbon. Now, we've seen a number of bills introduced both this year and in previous years to, to do that. It is a very um, hotly uh, debated issue, but we think it's one way and, and a number of entities are coming around to believing that it is a way to try to curb carbon emissions um, and really have an input on, on global warming. At the same time, uh, we're, we're watching uh, renewable energy legislation that promotes renewable energy as a way to assure that um, we continue to have the energy resources that we need in this country um, and around the globe. Um, so, again, a very complicated issue. I believe that the incoming administration will be doing much more in this area. And I think we now have a much more vibrant debate happening in Congress about about taking action to address climate change. What do you see Congress starting as far as, you know, once they get back to work and they're start, what do you see them uh, hopefully at least giving, and again, the obvious ones, the pandemic, climate change, things like that. But are there other things that you're also hoping that they're going to maybe that they haven't done as much on that might be a good, another good place to start? Yes, um, there are a few things that, that we are hopeful for, and some are some are issues that we believe that this incoming administration can take some action on. But others are are, are areas where Congress must act, and um, I would I would uh, highlight the issue, um, a foreign policy issue that uh, the Friends Committee works on, which is about the authorization for the use of military force. Um, in 2001, um, Congress passed overwhelmingly a, a, a legislation to give. Uh, the president's authorization for the use of military force and subsequent presidents for 19 years have relied on that law 
as a means for using military force in situations across the globe, when in fact the Constitution authorized Congress uh, to to de- to declare war or to to use military force. So bringing that debate back into Congress on a on a regular basis, we believe is an essential element of uh, our constitutional authority, but also that Congress needs to reclaim its authority. So we will be we will be working to um, repeal the 2001 authorization for the use of military force, and we have seen increasingly an appetite from members of both the House and the Senate to address this issue. That will be coming back up. Um, and I think the other one I'll just mention that we work on, too, is trying to uh, prevent U.S. support uh, for the ongoing war in Yemen, which is a devastating human uh, rights problem and, a, and a just, a, just a real crisis when it comes to famine and hunger. With everything that you're looking at, who directly makes up the Friends Committee? Great question, Paula. The Friends Committee is a Quaker organization, um, and that's how it started. And now it includes people who are Quakers, but includes anyone who wants to work with us. We welcome all. And people can can find out more about this organization by visiting our website. Uh, It's FCNL. Dot org for Friends Committee on National Legislation dot org, and you can come to the website. Just learn more about the organization and the issues we work on, and then people can also sign up to get our weekly newsletters uh, to, to to kind of stay up to speed on what's happening. But we have uh, people in every state who who do work with us, who talk to their senators and their their members of the House. And we believe this kind of citizen engagement, civic engagement in um, with Congress is, is part of, um, part of uh, what we're called to do, both because um, we are called to create a more just and peaceful world, but also our democracy asks of us to be involved. And um, that can go beyond voting. So that's one of the things we do is to try to encourage people to be talking to their members of Congress. And since you have touched on so many issues that are not only here, but are global issues, do you have other groups that you're also working with as well that in order to get the message out and because it's it sounds like there are some others out there who are like minded. Um, so I'm just wondering Absolutely. if, if there yeah. are others that you're that you're working with. Absolutely. So we work with a number of different organizations um, here in Washington um, to do advocacy work, but we have connections with some organizations that are that are actually uh, on the ground in other countries, addressing peace and working for human rights. Um, and we we use their information and their knowledge to help inform our work here in Washington. We work with a number of other faith groups. Um, Certainly, there are a number of, like, you know, whether it's Presbyterians or Episcopalians or Roman Catholics or Jewish organizations, Muslim organizations, a lot of them have a presence here and are bringing their perspective as people of faith. We work with them. Um, And then there are a number of organizations um, like uh, the, um, we we work with a number of groups that have been working with the the Plowshares Fund. Uh, Now, that's a fund that, that funds a number of groups, but they convene. Um, nonprofits, NGOs, to look at how to um, uh, prevent war with Iran and how to do nuclear disarmament. Um, so we are connected with them. The Union of Concerned Scientists is another group that we do some work with on both nuclear disarmament and climate change. Um, and so it's it's exciting to have partners both here in Washington and uh, around the country who we can work with. Well, I nominate you for the United Nations. <laughs> <laughs> 
because you certainly <laughs> you certainly sound like you're bringing them all together in a uh, in a common forum and gee what a what a concept <laughs> Well, there's a, there's a lot of uh, uh, desire to try to to you know build a better world, and it's exciting to be partnering with uh, people, both people in their local communities who are, who are, who care about these issues, but also folks who 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 represent other organizations. And and we're honored to be able to do this work, um, and and really appreciate the support of people, but but really appreciate the engagement of people around the country and hope that your listeners will take a look at uh, the Friends Committee and just learn a little bit more about us. And give us that website one more time. Thank you. It is fcnl.org, Friends Committee on National Legislation. Diane, thank you so much. Talk about opening a door to, you. to so much good information. Paula, thank you and uh, wishing you the best and stay safe uh, during this difficult time and, and happy new year to you. Thank you. You as well. Thanks for listening to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories, a production of Intercom Communications. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 